God bless you. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to add, along with all of these ministers tonight, my my expression of awe at this gorgeous building. Beautiful to compliment to the cause of God, the work of God. And, of course, it's a compliment to uh, your leader and also this tremendous congregation that has followed your pastor to build this. Amen. Uh, I've just come through finishing building a church, I guess about the same amount of square feet that this church has. And I will tell you what uh, you need to do for your pastor as soon as all this is over. And that's what I didn't do. And he needs to get away for a while and get his mind totally clear because this stuff will kill you. You just think you know. But until you have built one of these, there is no way for you to know. They've done a tremendous job in the cooperation of this church and... uh, I don't think it uh, hurts to give honor to where honor is due. And this young man has undertaken a tremendous task and has accomplished a monumental task in this short time of being pastor in, in a city following one of the great giants of Pentecost and come here and put this thing together and for us to all come together and worship in such a gorgeous building here tonight. Amen. I think it's all right to honor Brother and Sister Edwards a little bit tonight. Amen. Praise God. I think they deserve it. Yes, sir. You're mighty right. They deserve it. Amen. And, uh, and uh, you see, as he said, these are close friends of ours. Not only did I marry Brother and Sister Edwards... I also dedicated Lamar. And now I come tonight for the third great event in their life, and that's participating in uh, the week of dedication of the first uh, great building they've ever built. And uh, so it's been a great, great time. Uh, allow me to refer to them tonight the way you can't refer to them, because I knew them before you ever did. And uh, uh, Elaine, it was... Seventeen years ago now, when we were traveling in California in revival, seventeen years ago. And uh, Elaine traveled with my wife and I, and that seems like an eternity ago. And I guess it is a while. Amen. She's aged quite a bit. I haven't. Amen. I still look the same. (laughs) I don't know how that's happened. I saw Sister McLean tonight, but I won't go into that either. Amen. <laughs> and uh, uh, but the Edwards have been great, great friends of ours. We preach uh, for them in Texarkana, and dedicated Lamar. And of course, was in their wedding. I've done forgot where y'all got married. Amen. And uh, uh, all three of the Phillips girls, I performed the wedding for all of them. And, and I must do pretty good at weddings. Amen. At least they're all three holding together. Amen. And uh, uh, God uh, bless this family. Amen. Great uh, presence of the Lord here tonight. Amen. 
And uh, when all this is said and done and the rest of us have gone our way and, and you've had time to uh, come off the high and uh, it will just become a church, I want to happen what Brother Phillips is talking about. I want revival to break loose in Vider. Amen. Revival to break loose in Vider. God's given you a beautiful setting here on a lovely freeway. I told Brother Edwards a moment ago, I said, Man, I wish a former pastor had bought all the new land, amen, where I pastor. And we, amen, we've had to go out and buy the land, build the church all. Eight years ago last night, I took pastor at Longview. And uh, it seems like an eternity sometime, and it only seems like yesterday. There are great things, that uh, great treasures of time uh, that uh, we gather as, as we go along in life. We don't hurry through these services because this will be the only one that there will ever be for this church. And to our guests tonight, you may want to hurry it up, but a lifetime and years of dreams and prayers that go back many, many years. God only knows how many years. The first dream in the heart of Brother Hoyt and people buying this land and paying for it. Amen. So there's a lot of prayers and dreams into these services last night, tonight, tomorrow night, and on through the weekend. So let's not hurry. These are treasures. You don't ever get them but one time in life. Amen. I tell everybody, Brother uh, Sylvester talked about weddings tonight. I tell everybody, amen. I know weddings, uh, you waste a lot of money, but go ahead. Amen. That's going to be the only one you'll ever get to have. According to the Scripture, amen. So go ahead and spend all the money you want to on it. Drag it all out. Put as many songs as you want to in it. I've been to them before, amen. Turned into whole conventions, amen. Just singing conventions, amen. Didn't make me no difference. Wasn't any money out of my pocket, amen. Only one you get to have, so go ahead, amen. Same way it is around here tonight, amen. This is church. Let's have church, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God, amen. I apologize tonight that uh, you're going to have to hear some of what you've already heard over again tonight. When Brother McLean and I, uh, he is again one of our great friends, and I've preached for him many, many times. He's been to Longview and preached for me and and uh, bailed me out a few times up there, amen, and helped me out and prayed for me and stood with us. And he and I in a service always had the unique ability, once a service got to going, uh, I, I don't know how, but so many times we've preached sermons together. And it wouldn't, you can see once I get into my message tonight, he did not know what I was going to preach. But uh, he has already uh, ambled all the way through it, amen. I mean from start to finish, amen. He didn't touch one or two points. He touched everything, slapped through to the last point I intended to use tonight. So that's why I said I might as well go ahead and give him my notes, amen. And uh, But... Uh, I want God to do something tonight, amen. I don't want to drive all this distance down here and just endeavor to preach to you and, and go home and everybody say it was good. I want something to happen to all of us tonight. Amen. I want something to happen to all of us. Amen. And uh, I received tragic news just before I left our city. And uh, uh family that... Uh, the lady directs our choir. Uh, her daughter-in-law 
who is not in our church, but who has been attending our service some. Brand new baby born in that family only a few days ago. This morning while she was doing her housework, she turned around and there stood a man in her house threatening to kill the baby. And he brutally, brutally, brutally uh, almost destroyed this young lady. And we left a moment ago, so uh, we're still a little bit upset about all of this. I have not caught the man. We live in a strange world. We live in a mixed-up generation. Oh, God, if we ever needed revival, we need revival in the day and hour in which we live in. Amen. As I go into the Word of God tonight, there's one thing that does not bother me. You didn't figure that out. That's saying amen. I knew what Brother McLean was trying to do tonight, amen. He was trying to get some of you, amen, because I've never preached here but one time, amen. And there's one thing I just have to have, amen, and that's you're going to have to worship the Lord, amen. I didn't come to preach to your intellect. Because I can't do that, and I don't know whether you'd recognize it if I did. So don't sit there and act like Paul tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time we opened our heart and let God move through this thing tonight. Amen. Would you stand tonight for the reading of the Word of the Lord one more time? Amen. I want to turn tonight to the book of 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And I'd like to begin reading tonight at the uh, 12th verse of the third chapter, 2 Corinthians. The 12th verse. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even until this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And everybody said, Amen. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are changed into the same image. Everybody say, same image. Same image. Reading on. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Christ's sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see a lot of you never heard a word I said a while ago. Amen. It's all right to say amen. Let's just get in practice right now. Everybody said amen. God began to deal with my heart some days ago, and I have, I don't mind telling you, in the last few days I have preached this message quite a few times. I was preaching a convention just last week in Arizona, and I preached it there, and the longer I look at it, the more I am convinced to believe there is something in this I feel God has for this congregation tonight. Oh God, open our hearts and let us receive the Word of the Lord tonight. Would you join hands with somebody near you and let us pray. Father, I thank You for Your presence. Thank You for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Thank You for the presence. Thank You for this service. Thank You for all our guests. God, we come because we are in desperate need of You tonight. May the glory and the will of Almighty God be done. Amen. Thank You for what You are going to do in this congregation tonight. Speak to our hearts that the will of Almighty God may be done. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I thank you for it. Amen, amen, amen. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight if God would be kind enough to anoint something that I feel very, very strongly about. I read to you from the beautiful Word of God tonight. It's beautiful simplicity and the glory of the Word of God declared to you from the third chapter of Second Corinthians that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And then it goes on to talk about that we have a right to fellowship with a mystery. And the mystery is that as we fellowship with the glory of God, we are changed from what we are into the image of what we behold. And then Paul keeps writing on into the next chapter. And then he stumbles upon the statement, but we have this ministry. We do have something. Then he continues to write on, and then he puts it this way. But we have a treasure. That's where I want to begin tonight. But we have a treasure in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. The majority of individuals in our world will never know the full contentment of why they were born in this world. The majority of people only exist and die at some future time of life, never coming into contact 
with the divine purpose of why they were born into this world. Now, the longer I live, the less I believe in deathbed repentance. It's not that I don't believe that God can't save a man at his dying hour, but it defeats the entire purpose of God for God to regulate salvation to only a quick momentary something that takes a man out of an eternal place called hell. Now, salvation is more than going to heaven. Now, stay with me. Amen. Salvation is more than just you being able to say, I am born again, and someday I'm going to go to heaven. Now, you are saved not merely to go to heaven. You are filled with the Spirit of God for something more great and more divine than just for you to be transported from this world into another world. We have a treasure, and there is a purpose of why we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. Glory. It bothers me to know that there are saints of God that will live their entire life and be born again, filled with the Spirit, baptized in the water, uphold every standard of the church, always be faithful to the house of God, give of their tithes, and never find the purpose of why they were ever born again to start with. Amen. Now, I feel the Holy Ghost already. Amen. Now, I want to tell you tonight that you must not spend your life waiting for some mysterious, miraculous something to happen to you to change you into the divine purpose and will of Almighty God. There is no future thing that is going to cause you in some night of a service to be transformed into a mighty vessel of God. I've read to you tonight, and Paul simply drives it home that we already have a treasure that is more staggering and is greater than our minds can even comprehend. We are already filled with a treasure that's greater than you can imagine. Amen. Now, I know that some of you have already raised your eyebrow and you say, now just a minute, going to heaven is what it's all about. If going to heaven is what it's all about, then it would have been in the divine order that the moment you prayed through to the Holy Ghost, we ought to pray that God would kill you right then because the purpose is over with right after you are born again. But you are not born again to merely exist. You are born again for a reason that you would have the privilege to fellowship the mystery of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and be changed into the image and the likeness of the glory of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me go ahead and drop something while you're just still in an odd state right now. John 3 and 5 does not say that if you are born again, you will be saved. John 3 and 5 says if you're not born again, 
you can't be saved. But it does not say that by merely being born again, you are saved. It just simply said, if a man is not born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus declared that this is more important than just coming and talking in tongues and being baptized. There is a divine purpose and reason of why you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, some people spend their life. Glory. I don't know whether you're liking this or not. I can't tell. Amen. Sitting there. Amen. Glory. But when you consider that a well-balanced individual does not sit around and wait for what he is not, but he begins to take and busy himself applying in what he is. Now, the church waits for the ministry of the pastor. And everybody said, oh yeah, it says that God set apostles and evangelists and pastors and etc. in the church. Now, the idea and the philosophy of our generation is, hey, I'm saved to be a saint. And that's the ultimate end of my purpose. But my friend, as a saint of God, you are saved for more than just being something called a Pentecostal person. If you ever get a hold of the fact, amen, that you have the right and the privilege of fellowshipping the mystery and the glory and being changed into the image and likeness of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. When you consider, my friend, that Jesus talked about the fact that He wanted to do something with your life. Amen. Now, not everybody is going to be a national evangelist. Not everybody is going to be called into some kind of well-known type of ministry. But Paul begins to drive it home. But we have a treasure. We have something locked up. It's not going to come after you've had this 25 years. Brother Chance, but when God gives a man the baptism of the Holy Ghost, He gives him a treasure right then that's greater than all the world. Hallelujah. It bothers me that the philosophy around some of our Pentecostal churches is that someday something is going to happen and overnight I'm going to be changed into something super spiritual and then I can do something for the cause of God. Oh no! That's not it! It's going to be when you make up in your mind that I have the right to fellowship and behold the glory of God and be changed from glory to glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. For too long, we've waited for future greatness. For too long, we've waited for something future to happen. Now, you say, not sober the spirit. I don't mean to be derogatory, but automatically, we begin to say, someday, we're going to have a move of God. Someday, something's going to happen. Someday, I'm going to tell you tonight before I get through what will bring revival to the entire city, uh, anywhere. Doesn't make any difference what it is. I feel like I don't have a, a revelation, but I do have an answer. Amen. It is the will of God that we will not have revival because we can match wits now with the denominal world in dollar for dollar and build church for church. 
But revival is going to come. Not because our choirs are better. Not because our singing is better. Not because our ability is better. But when we make up in our mind that we have a treasure. And what is that treasure? It is the ability to be changed into the image and the likeness and the glory as we fellowship with Jesus Christ. Glory. Now there are those, hallelujah, who believe after a while, sometimes at a future greatness. Brother Spears, I can't have that. Oh, you don't understand, Brother Spears. I'm not super spiritual. I'm not... uh, uh, you, You don't understand. Hey, friend, we don't inherit this. We're not working up to it. We already have it. But our problem is we don't even realize what we have. Thank you for three nods and 45 hand claps and two amens. Amen. That's what gets me. We are talking about something that is so uniquely powerful that it will change the world. And I read to you tonight, it will change you into the image of God if you fellowship with it. But we're content to say, somewhere, someday, sometime, some hour. But I say now, we have this treasure and we have it now in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. I know I've thrown a lot out for you to swallow right offhand. I don't have time to fool with it. Amen. Just take it and digest it later. Amen. Paul is not writing to an apostolic church that does not have any problems. He's writing to the Corinth church. There ain't never been a church had more problems than Corinth had. You name it and they had it. But Paul is saying, you have a treasure and you have a ministry. And if the ministry of the treasure ever gets a hold of you and you begin to fellowship, hallelujah, it will be as Moses as he was in the presence of God. He became like unto the glory of where he was and what he fellowship with. Oh, this is not just Pentecost. This is a treasure that is rich beyond any words can describe. We have the beauty of fellowshipping with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. When you talk about the glory of God, when you talk about the ministry, we have this ministry. We have this ministry. We have this ministry. The second chapter and the third chapter are tied together. Or the third and the fourth chapter are tied together. Amen. They are the same. There is no ending of one and the beginning of another. Paul says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, when the word therefore is used, it ties in to what is right ahead of it. Therefore, we have this ministry. But it's more than that. It's we have the glory and the fellowship of the mystery of Jesus Christ that we have the right to come like Him because now the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is made available to every man who possesses a treasure inside his heart. Amen. We have a treasure. We have a treasure. Glory. Oh, God, I'm so tired. 
of seeing saints live like paupers. And I'm preaching to some of them here tonight. I'm preaching to some of them here tonight. Amen. Glory. Somebody said, be careful. Amen. One of my saints is here tonight. Amen. Joe, it's good to see you from Longview. Hallelujah. So, I'm telling you, we've got folks that are living beneath their privilege. Thank you for 14 amens. Hallelujah. And three head nods. Amen. I'm picking up. Hallelujah. Oh, but we are satisfied to walk down the streets and talk about, oh, I talked in tongues one day. 25 years ago, 15 years ago, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, I'm a child of God. Someday, I'm going to be like Him. But friend, we've put that someday off to the rapture. But Paul says, quit putting it off to the rapture. We have the right now. We have the ability now. I don't care what the world thinks. Amen. We have the right to be changed into the image and the likeness and the glory of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Paul called the glory of God a mystery. He called it a ministry. The same glory in the Old Testament in the wilderness was called the Shekinah or the presence. It came down like a pillar of fire at night and like a pillar of cloud at daytime. That was the visible presence of the glory of Almighty God. Oh, hold on. Hallelujah. When Moses climbed the mountain and got on top of Mount Sinai, God spoke out of a fire. It was the manifestation of His presence. In the camp, God spoke out of a cloud. Hallelujah. In between, in the holy place, between the cherubims. Amen. In the place where the ark was. It was Shekinah. It was called the glory. The present. It illuminated the room. There was no light there. But the power of the glory, of the mystery. And Paul said, Oh, if it ever gets a hold of you, you have the right to fellowship with the glory that changed Moses. You already have that glory. It's not coming. You already have it. We have a treasure. Amen. We have a glory. We have a power. The glory cloud. Hallelujah. Amen. The glory cloud stood for a lot of things. Brother McLean mentioned it tonight. The same glory cloud. When they got ready to dedicate Solomon's temple. The same glory that had dwelt among the cherubim. The same glory that had dwelt on Mount Sinai. The same glory that hovered above the ark. The same glory in all of its demonstration and all of its power, Brother Holly. That glory walked down through where the ministers and the singers were singing. Now, it had such an impact on them because they had never been close to it that when the glory got close to them, they took off running. I ain't worried about some of you. Amen. You ain't even wiggled your toe yet. Hallelujah. Amen. But when they got close enough to it, and it got close enough to them, they was moved. They couldn't stand where they were because the glory was stronger than the power of what they were trying to do. And so Paul searches for a word. There is no word in the English language that will even come close to describing the wealth of God. So the only thing he knew to say is, we have a treasure. 
we have a treasure. The same word treasure there is the same word interpreted in Hebrews when the writer said, and Moses forsook the treasures of Egypt. The same word is translated right here. And the Paul is trying to say, oh, the treasures of all Egypt is not even a drop in the bucket compared to the treasure that you possess in your heart. Amen. The treasure. Hallelujah. The glory. It's priceless. It's beyond value. There's no English word to describe it. There's no value to put in it. How valuable is it? It will change you into the image and the likeness and the glory of what you fellowship with. I'll show you how powerful that mystery is. Moses climbed the top of that mountain. And when he got up there, he had a visitation with the glory of God. And when he started to come down, Brother Phillips, the Bible said he had to put a veil on his face. How come they had put a veil on his face? Because he had dwelt long enough in fellowship, Brother Rachel, long enough with the Shekinah that the earthly body started taking on a likeness of the Shekinah. Somebody said he didn't do it. it. The book said he did. And it said, and his face shone that he put a veil over his face where he could come down and minister among the people. How strong is the glory? Somebody said, can we have revival? Here is an example. If you want revival, invite her. Here's the way to do it. When Moses was on top of the mountain, in the valley below, four and one half million people were dancing around a golden calf. One man... 40 days in the presence of God changed in the image when he walked down off of the side of the mountain. Not a finger was raised against him. Not a voice was raised against him. He destroyed the golden calf. There never was another one in the history of Moses and Joshua because the glory fellowshipping the mystery of the glory of God so changed him till men looked at him and beheld him as almighty God. Amen. The glory, the power, the honor, the glory, the mystery, the fellowship of the glory of almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Now hold on, hallelujah. This won't make you shout. This almost take the shout out of you. But really, if you evaluate what I'm saying, it'll put the shout in you. God did not send His glory in your heart to make you just feel good. Come on. I'm looking at saints tonight saying, well, as soon as I get to feeling good, I'm going to recognize God is in this place. Honey, if I don't feel anything, I will know, Brother Pope, He is here because I brought a treasure with me that's stronger than all the world. Oh, glory. But He did not send His glory just to make windshades run down my backbone, just to make my feet get off the ground. He sent His glory to change me into the image of the likeness of the glory of God that 
to this world, they may have a representative in their streets, on their job, in their school, in their neighborhood of the glory and the power and the honor of Almighty God. Amen. That's why you have the Holy Ghost. That's why it's called a treasure. That's why you have it. Amen. And that's the only reason you have it. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. In beholding, we are changed. In fellowshipping with the mystery, we're changed. You know what's wrong with us? There hadn't been enough change in... Glory! Hallelujah! Let me make this statement. I want to ask you, sir, that may be sitting there, your heart about as cold as three refrigerators, and you fold in your arms and say, Hey, buddy, I've had the Holy Ghost for so many years. I want to ask you, what impact have you ever had on the world? What impact have you ever had on your neighbor? He didn't give you the Holy Ghost just to go to heaven. He gave you the Holy Ghost whereby it may carry you into the mystery of the glory and being fellowshipping with the glory. You're changed into the image and the likeness of what you fellowship. And that's the secret right there. I could preach another message on that. The reason some of us are what we are, it's because of what we fellowship. But when we start fellowshipping and beholding the glory of Almighty God, a world's going to look at us and say, silver and gold, you don't have any. But you do have something. And what is that something? Amen. We have a treasure. We have a glory. We have a power. And we have an authority. Glory. Amen. When an individual usually houses a great treasure, he usually builds a house for it. Amen. And he will build an elaborate house. Sometimes entire fortunes are spent to build a barn around a valuable animal because it is so valuable. Sometimes entire museums are built to house one picture. Can you imagine what the painting of Mona Lisa is worth? Do you think they'd put it in a 7-Eleven store? Not in Beaumont they would anyway. Amen. I hope nobody from Beaumont's been to. Hallelujah. It'd get robbed for daylight. Hallelujah. Anybody from Beaumont? I didn't say that. Amen. I was just thinking out loud. But everybody's from Bider here. The way I feel, I do have a few Beaumonters. Amen. But anyway, amen. They don't do that. Fort Knox handles the wealth of the United States of America. And friend, you can go up there all you want to and say, that's my money in there. I want to go in there and see it. Any one of us get in there. It is locked away. It's secure. They've got guards. They've got the latest equipment in all the world to safeguard everything. You're not going to get in there. Oh, no. It would seem that God would do the same thing with a treasure. It would seem that if it's worth all that much, God would build a house 
to house that treasure that is so great. I've been to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. I've been to the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. I've been in the church in Russia where Billy Graham is preaching. I've been in a few places where it's supposed to be so sacred and so holy and so religious. But God reversed the laws of human reasoning. And God didn't put His wealth in some building locked up somewhere and said, all right, this is where it is. But He has done something a little bit different than that. Amen. Get there. I want you to read for me just a minute. God has chosen to build His own treasury building for men that does not fit the concept of mankind. God said, I'm going to build me a house to house the glory that was in the Old Testament, that was in the tabernacle, that was in the holy place, that was in the cloud, that was on top of the mountain. And He said, when I build me a house to house the glory, it's going to shake the whole world and nobody is going to believe where I am going to put the glory of this mystery. Amen. Read, Brother McLean. First Timothy 3 and 16. And without controversy. And without controversy. Great is the mystery. Great is what? Is the mystery. Great is the mystery. Of godliness. Of godliness. Great is the mystery. I'm talking about a mystery. The world says a treasure has got to be in a building that is worth so much to house the treasure. But God said, I'm going to reverse the law. I'm going to do it different. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God... God was manifest, was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the believed world, believed on in the world, received up received into glory, up into glory. How accurate a description that Paul said when he said, "Great is the mystery of godliness." God was manifested in the flesh. No human mind has been able to fully comprehend the mystery of the condensation of God. The only thing you can say is it's just like it said. And God, who was almighty, everlasting, all-eternal, yes, 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 yes. who was the Shekinah, who was the glory, who was the cloud, who was the protector, who was the healer, who was the water, who was the provider, who was everything for Israel. And God made him a house to put his glory in. And God was manifested in flesh. Amen. He yes. was. Yes, He was. Yes, glory. Oh, the mystery of that great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish that I didn't have to hurry. Amen. Great is the God, the creator of the universe, the designer of everything, and everybody holy, almighty in all His works, everlasting, beyond the comprehension of the mind of man, beyond what you and I could think of. He took the glory, and put it in a human vessel. Amen. A little old vessel. Somebody said it wasn't so. Then you better read the book again, friend. Because when Jesus Christ got here, He healed the sick, raised the dead, opened the blinded eyes. He was the mystery. He was the incarnate glory. He was the power. He was the Shekinah. And He was put inside a body. Glory. Now, 
I don't have time and, and I hope you're following me. We gotta go a little bit further than that. But Jesus Christ, the mystery of godliness did not stop at the ascension of Jesus Christ. Oh no, hallelujah. I said the mystery of godliness did not stop when Jesus Christ was crucified, put in the grave, and resurrected. Amen. Now, that same mystery goes a little bit further, and the glory that was in the body is now somewhere else. Now let's read in Colossians 1 and 26. Even the mystery. Even the mystery. Which has been hid. Which has been hid. From ages. From ages. And from generations. And from generations. But now. But now. Is made manifest. Is made manifest. In His saints. In His saints. To whom God. To whom God. Would make known. Would make known. What is the richest. is the richest. Of the glory of the glory of this mystery of this mystery among the, among Gentiles, the Gentiles which is Christ which is, which is Christ in you the hope of glory man this is the mystery and this is the riches Oh hallelujah 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 Glory. I've been trying to get you to see it for 40 minutes now. Amen. That we are the treasury. We are the treasury. We have a treasure. And what is that treasure? It's been hid from ages and generations. Oh, we have a treasure. And you sit there and act like I'm talking about a cup of coffee from San Bolivia, man. Riches, the glory, and the power, and the mystery of the eternal God of heaven dwells in your heart. This ain't just feeling good. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Glory. I don't think you've got it yet. Oh, God, I wish... Hallelujah. I'm going to have to come back and preach this again sometime. They ain't getting this. Amen. No, no, no. You, you, you can't give a man $40 million and him sit there and scratch his head and go to sleep. Not, not if he knows what $40 million is worth. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a treasure that is more. Somebody said, what do you have? Well, I'm blowing Pentecost Church. Thank you, Brother Phillips. Hallelujah. One for you. I don't know whether anything moved around here or not. Amen. I'm so glad you got here. Hallelujah. Oh, the mystery of what I fellowship, Brother, Brother Phillips. Amen. Somebody said, well, I tell you what, all you Pentecostal people do is just go down there and just keep on until you get it worked out. Think what you may, but I just read it to you out of the Scripture that what it is, it is a mystery, and it's been hid from generations, but now it's made manifest, and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. And I feel it. And I have it. And I'm glad I got it. We have a treasure. We have a treasure. We have a treasure. Glory. Hallelujah. Let me run it by you one more time. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Run it by you one more time, brother. Aren't you holly? Hallelujah. God was manifested in the flesh. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Even the mystery that's been hid from the ages is now made manifest. The glory of, oh, the glory of the eternal God from the beginning of time, who said, let there be, and there was, who stretched the north out of the empty place and hung the worlds upon nothing, that calls the stars by name, that same God made him a body, got in the body. The writer said, mystery of godliness. But it didn't stop there. And he said, now the mystery goes a little bit further. It's not just in the body of Jesus Christ. Now it's in the heart of the believers and the children of God. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have a treasure. We have a treasure. The glory of God has now been deposited in earthly vessels. Now, come on, I'm I'm fixing to throw some of you a curve right now. Too many people in my church, your church, and your church is sitting around and saying, I can't ever be used of God because I am not perfect. And the enemy has got us exactly where he wants us. We are setting with a treasure. Now, if, if what you just stood up and hollered, shouted over a minute ago, I'm going to say it this way. The treasure that is inside of you, Brother Chance, is the same treasure that was in the body of the carpenter's son that raised the dead, that opened the blinded eyes, and stopped the deaf ear. It's not another one. It said it's the same mystery. It's the same glory. It's the same power. And here we sat saying, I can't be used of God. Leave it to the preachers. But Paul said, we all have a ministry and we all have a place. What is that ministry? The ministry is every man has the right to fellowship with the glory of God and be changed from the carnal nature that He is into the image and the likeness and the glory of the God that He now fellowships in His heart called the Holy Ghost. My, hallelujah. And so God has deposited His glory, this awesome power, in earthen vessels. Not in angels, but in men. We are the treasury, and God's glory in us is the treasure. But when the treasury fellowships with the treasure, the treasury takes on the likeness of the treasure that's on the inside of it. That's the reason you don't grow in God sitting there and looking at the preacher 
and never clapping your hands and never raising your hands and never get in a prayer meeting and never go to the prayer room and never love God. You don't fellowship with the treasure that's inside of you and you are never changed into the image. But start it, my friend. You'll feel the difference. Your wife will know the difference. Your kids will know the difference. Your neighbor will know the difference. Your dog will know the difference. Amen. You can't fellowship with the glory of God without it affecting your life and your heart and everything about you. And so, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Glory. Will you give me just a few more minutes? Thank you. I'm going to take it anyway. If you'd have said amen, I'd have been kind. Hallelujah. Quit in a few more minutes. Hallelujah. Amen. Moffat translation says that we have this treasure lodged in a body of fragile clay. Philip says that we have it in a frail vessel of earth. Philip's translation calls it a common earthenware jar. And Berkeley's translation says it's just a utensil of clay. The New English Bible translates it this way. We are no better than pots of earthenware to contain this treasure. Now, we've often read that Scripture and said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And we've got that word earthen vessels. And we took it out of its original context and we put a value on it. But earthen vessel there is not worth anything because anybody could have an earthen vessel in that day. It wasn't worth anything. All you did to have to find you a little clay and a little bit of water, make you one and set it out in the sun and you had you an earthen vessel. And Paul is saying... The beauty of the mystery of God is He has put this treasure in earthen vessels and we are those cracked pots. Amen. Oh, yeah. To the world, it don't look like we ought to have it. Amen. But God has invested the glory in earthen vessels. They didn't think Jesus Christ was the mighty God either. And they said, it can't be because He come out of Nazareth. Because He's a carpenter's son. But the truth was, He was the mighty God wrapped in flesh. Amen. And so the world comes by and says, Hey, the glory has got to be enshrined in some ecclesiastical position, robed in purple, and that's the only way you can tell the majesty of the glory of the treasure. Oh, no! The glory of this mystery is that it is in earthen vessels. Amen. It is in human beings. Amen. We have the glory of Almighty God in containers that is staggering because it's this body of ours we live in. It contains the glory of Almighty God. Now, let me go a little bit further. Amen. I'm going to tell you what. Please don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. Listen to me all the way through. Amen. And that is, we're not going to change our holiness standards and the things we've always preached against. We are going to always stand against them. But we're going to come to the realization that our holiness is not going to save the world. Because holiness 
is a relationship between you and your God. But what the world is looking for is where is the demonstration of the transformation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, hallelujah. It's getting a little bit quiet right now. Amen. But I have yet to see anybody start running down the aisle and start screaming. I want to give up my, the world. I want to, I want to pull off this uh, jewelry. I want to quit this. I want to quit that. They usually don't do that. The Pope, I never heard him come running to me while the choir sang it and said, Bless God, I want to give up all that stuff like the rest of them. No. That is a relationship. But sometimes that's all the world sees. is the container. But the writer says, but that the glory may be of God and not of us. Now, we're not going to quit our holiness, but it's time we put everything into perspective that holiness is your route to keep a relationship with God. But what the world needs, they need to see Jesus Christ living inside of you and the transformation that something has happened in your life. If they see that, they'll take our holiness. Amen. But when they see our holiness and don't see our God, we are no more than another denominational church on the side of the road. Amen. That's all we are. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you're still staying with me. Amen. It's not the cup of Moses that challenged the nation. It was the contents of what he had fellowship with that changed the nation. Glory. Now, I must say again, I, I hate sometimes the way we Pentecostals get that a preacher has to qualify everything three times before anybody really believes he, say, he means what he says. Amen. I want to say it one more time. We're not going to throw away our holiness. But we're going to quit parading around and saying, Hey, world, you need our holiness, bless God. You're sort of looking like we do. Hey, I'll tell you what will make them want it. When they start seeing that there is a manifestation of the glory of God in us, and we start fellowshipping the mystery until there our life is changed, our heart is changed. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. A dying man don't care if he's drinking out of a cup, a styrofoam cup, a silver goblet. It don't make any difference. It's what's in it that counts. Oh God, this world is in desperate need of a drink of living water. But hold on. I don't mean to be critical. But sometimes we have spent more time making sure that we got the container on the outside to where it looks exactly right and we forgot that the world has got to have a drink of something from on the inside. But McLean, we've seen revival in Houston where they'd come running down the aisles and want the Holy Ghost. Nobody invited them. 
But there was something about enough of the saints of God got the glory moving inside of them that as they walked on their job and where they went, the world began to behold the glory of the mystery of somebody fellowshipping with Almighty God and somebody being changed in the likeness of the glory of Almighty God. I apologize for taking so much time, amen, and carrying you so long. But let me hurry up and wind it up just a little bit further right here, amen. About the only thing that you can say that would match in our generation what Paul was talking about, the best thing I can think of is styrofoam cups. They're not worth anything. Nobody really cares. The only thing they're good for is when you get through drinking out of them to ride on them or take a pencil and run it through it or crush it in your hand. And nowadays, Paul would have said, we have this treasure in styrofoam cups. Amen. And everybody would have understood. Hey, it's not what Paul was trying to say. He wasn't trying to downplay the container as much as he was trying to upplay the content inside it. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. God has chosen to place the glory in such obscure little old vessels. Amen. That somehow we fail to realize someday, Brother Spears, soon as I get better, boy, I'm going to be something for God. I want to tell you something, and it doesn't necessarily sound too good when I say it, but it's the truth. The greatest display of the glory of God is not preachers like myself who travel across the country as other men do and preach the saints of God. The greatest witness that this world will ever have revival is going to come when saints on the pew decide in their heart, I am tired of living and just going through a ritual and having inside of me a power that could change my neighbor and change the man I work with on the street or on the job. I am going to begin to be changed into the image and the likeness and the glory of what I fellowship with. Amen. I am going to have it to happen to me. I might as well get it all while I'm here. Hallelujah. Amen. We are dispensers of the grace of God is what we are. That's all you are, is a dispenser of the grace and the glory of God. Hallelujah. God, the kingdom of God, is not interested in our greatness. It's interested in our utility. It's not interested in how great you are. It's interested in how available you are, how much a dispenser you are. Choir, you did great tonight. I loved your singing. Everything was fine. I didn't find anything wrong with it. Wasn't trying to. I wouldn't know if anything was wrong with music anyway. Amen. And I thought it was all good. But never let it be said that you will have revival because you end up with a fabulous trained choir that can sing like mockingbirds and know how to do your hands and know how to move the crowd and know how to do it all. That will not bring revival. Revival will only come when the men and women that are in the choir fellowship the mystery of the treasure that's inside of you. That when you sing, men and women may look and say, what is it they are fellowshipping with? What is it they are like? What is it, amen? I desire that. And it will bring them to an altar. You want revival? I'm telling you how to have revival right now, amen. It's fellowship with the mystery of the treasure until you are changed into the image and the likeness. You already have the treasure. 
treasure. You already got it. You're not waiting for it. It's already there. You have it now. Let it begin its work inside of you. I love shouting. I love running the aisles. I love it all. Any of you that's been to our church knows that. Any of you that I've preached for knows that. I hadn't changed any at all. I said this last night at home. One of my saints was here. She'll verify that. My wife's sitting over here. But I'm going to tell you, there has been times the world walked out our door and they saw our demonstration and they never saw our God. You can throw songbooks at me if you want to. I've been in this all my life. I've seen a few services, Brother Chance, that God wasn't in a million miles of some of the things that we've done. And then we couldn't understand why that world didn't want to run down here and jump in and start doing what we were doing. You know why? They never saw the metamorphosis, the change that's got to happen in my and your life. Hey, friend, you know what caused those Brush Arbor days? They worshiped the same way we did. Just like Brother McLean said, amen. Those days they run out, shouted, talked in tongues, rolled on the floor and sawdust and everything else. But the sinners come running down the aisle. Azusa Street had a revival that went for every night for three years. And they came from all over the world. What was the difference? The difference was they were changed by what they were fellowshipping with. Oh, sometime we've given to the world a dose of holiness and they've choked on it. And we made fun of them when they left because they said, they don't want it like we want it. Bless God, we like it straight and they just can't take it straight. Oh, friend, they might have been able to take it if they would have seen a little bit more of the mystery, of the glory. They saw the container, but they didn't see anything in the container. Oh, God. I'm not preaching for compliments now. I'm preaching because something in my heart is saying, America, if you want revival, it's back to the prayer room. It's back to whatever you've got to do until you are changed. And when you come out, the change of where you go and who you fellowship with moves that crowd. You can do what you want to. I'm not saying it because Brother McLean said it. But Brother McLean, I made the statement almost like you did the other night. I said, hey world, I apologize to you. I hadn't been what I was supposed to have been. I've had a treasure and you hadn't seen a treasure. You've seen Pentecostal written across me, but you hadn't seen the glory of the mystery of God. I won't be there tomorrow, but I'm trying. I told my wife before I left the room, I said, oh, I feel something in my heart and life. I'm not going to be the same. I'm not going to be. You can look at me and say, Brother Spears, I'm satisfied where I am. That's the reason I made the statement in the very beginning. Some saints will live holy. We'll live faithful. We'll come to church and never find a real purpose of what God ever gave you the Holy Ghost for anyway. No one hangs a soap dispenser on the pulpit. 
It's in the bathroom. Nobody hangs a paper towel dispose paper towel deal right here. It's hung in the bathroom. But I'll tell you one thing. They ain't a one, one of you 30 seconds after you walk out of the bathroom can tell me what the soap dish looked like or what kind of paper towel it was. The only thing you're interested in is it full and is it there? And I need it. And so the world comes to our church and all we are are dispensers of the grace and glory of God. But many times they walk out, my friend, and the dispenser is empty. Come on, I'm not getting very many amens right now. There's nothing in the container. It's empty and it's of no value unless something is in it. It's no good. Hang them all over the bathroom that you want to. But if they don't have something in them, we're making laughing stocks out of ourselves. Oh, do what you want to do, invite or anywhere else. But I am so sick of having church and nobody three blocks away even though the lights are turned on. Where is that apostolic powerful church that when it starts visiting with its God in the olden days, they had such a move of God that they came from all over the world to Azusa Street because somebody had a container that was filled with the glory of God. History says, and I didn't say this, history says that some of them received the Holy Ghost before they ever got to the building where the revival was going on. The Holy Ghost fell on them. They were slain in the Spirit. Why? That the spencer was so full, it was flowing out. Brother McLean said it, so I'm not. I'm not just trying to say what he said. But every now and then, we need a refilling. I said we are. What did I say in the beginning? John three and five does not save us. It only gives us a right that if we don't have new birth, we cannot be saved. In other words, if we are not born to the water and born to the Spirit, we do not move into this relationship to have a fellowship with God, to be changed in the image and likeness of Almighty God. It's impossible. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, my friend, give me a little longer. Amen. I came a long way to preach to this church tonight and to preach to everybody else here. God needs the spencers of the grace and glory of God. How many times have you prayed on your job? Oh, God, I wish you'd move me off this job. I can't stand these old reprobates out on the job. They're always cussing. They're always complaining. They're always telling nasty jokes. Oh, God, why don't you move me? Have you ever thought that God needs dispensers where there are dirty hands? God put you there because He needs that man to see the glory and the power of God. And if you don't send Him the glory of God, He will never see the beauty and the mystery of God in this generation. And so Jesus called His disciples together and He said, all right, I'm fixing to send you out. He said, go out and heal the, 
cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Dispenser, it is not your product. You are only a container of the glory of God. And if this world ever sees a move of God, it will not come. Now hold on. It will not come because you put a sign that says revival on that sign out there. It will not come because you advertise on the radio. And it will not come because some great guy gets on the television and says, Revival's coming. It's an inevitable law that a man must be touched by the glory of something that somebody has fellowship with before it will ever change their life. And so we'll go our way home. And we'll go away and say, Another good service. Pretty fair preaching. And we'll wake up tomorrow. And the question is, will the world ever get to see the glory of God? They'll never see it in the body of Jesus Christ again until He judges the world. They will never see revival come in angels. Why? Because He has taken His treasure, His glory, and put it in earthen vessels. And that's where the glory is. And Brother McNeely, if you and I and everybody else don't have a visitation of the glory of God to where somebody sees God in us, the world will never have revival. But the city of Vider could have a move of God. You see, that's our trouble. We're not sure we want it. Because now I've come down to the hitting part. Do you want to be changed? Or had you rather continue to spend the rest of your years sitting on these pews, clapping your hands, living holy, paying your tithes, coming to church? Or had you rather begin to have an in-depth fellowship with the mystery of God until you are so changed that when you go on your job in a few days, somebody says... What is that about you? You're a little bit different. Where have you been? What, what, what is that? Until you go to your school and somebody looks at you. My dad that's sitting here tonight just had one of the greatest revivals in almost 30 years of pastoring in a little old town up here that nobody ever gave a chance to have much in. In that beautiful metropolis thriving modern city that I was raised in, Kuntz. Amen. Graduated from there. Amen. Ultra modern has one of the greatest, you know, whatever in the world. Just had a revival that turned that school upside down. They, it had caused such a move of God till the principals got up and tried to stop them from bringing Bibles to school because they were having a revival and even prayed one girl through in the bathroom. Amen. Teacher come in there to stop it. And they said, if you don't get out here, we'll pray you through the Holy Ghost too. Amen. And she got out and the girl got the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'll tell you why. 
because somebody, somebody had a visit with God until when they went to school. Somebody didn't see a Pentecostal anymore. They saw God Almighty in the form of human flesh, fellowship with human beings, amen, the glory of Almighty God. I'll tell you how, how bad it got. The principal got up and told the school body, said, we are calling a denominal preacher here to the student body to discuss this Holy Ghost to stop all of this that's sweeping through the school. Of course, that's illegal now. That bill did have a little bit of good. Hallelujah. You can't do that. Amen. Amen. That would be one of the men dad's church, amen, went up there and said, I tell you what, do it if you want to, but on that platform, going to be that old man that pastored that Pentecostal church in this town. The principal said, we're just going to scrap the whole thing then. We're going to forget it. Amen. I'll tell you what he's afraid of, and I'm not saying because my dad. He's afraid that somewhere anybody that could have revival in Coons, Texas, might have enough move of God when they sit on the platform. Somebody else may have seen the glory of God. Baptize as many, many a night, four and five teenagers in Jesus' name. Oh, we'd have revival if somebody fellowshiped with the mystery of the glory of Almighty God. Do what you want to do, but I am purposing to my city and to the world, world. You may not know my name, but you're going to know my God because I am going to fellowship with Him until there is some of Him that becomes like me. And so, I apologize for preaching so long tonight. But oh, if it ever gets through to us what we have and the right of what will happen to us if we fellowship with it, this church won't hold the crowd that would be here in a few months from now. Have it your way. You already have the treasure, so we're not waiting for it. As soon as we have a great evangelist, you don't have to. You already have the treasure. The secret is not who is in this pulpit to bring revival. The secret is what is sitting on these pews to have a visitation with the glory of Almighty God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Let revival come to this church. I can't say, say sin revival, God. There's revival already in your heart. If you'll fellowship with it long enough, it will break loose and your neighbor will know you've had revival. And when they see the glory of God in you, then they'll say, Oh, have mercy on me, amen, that I may be saved also. Let's love the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Would the audience stand? Let's worship the Lord. All over this auditorium, we must praise Him. We must praise Him. We must praise Him. We must praise Him. Praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How great thou art.
In Jesus' name. Forget the hour. Let's come to the front. This message tonight cannot be cast off lightly. But there is a charge of the Spirit pressing us. You that must have must excuse yourself. Thank you for coming. But I charge the saints of God from this assembly. Let's gather around the front and stand. Our visitors, would you please gather with us? Visitor, feel free to come with us and stand with us. This is not an altar call as such, but it's just a surrender into the presence of Jesus Christ. How great You are, O Redeemer! And You counted us worthy by Your blood. You sanctified our tabernacle by Your cleansings. And You put this great treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, what a message tonight. Church of the living God, I charge you to hear what was preached. I charge you to hear what was preached. But we stare at the day that Pentecost as we know it will be left behind as Israel was left behind if a baptism of the love of God doesn't get a hold of our hearts. As sure as we stand here, it will happen. Thank you, Brother Spears. You've spoke to our hearts. I knelt in prayer the other day and I said, Lord, not that I have to have signs, but give me a little something. I want to just get a little closer to you. Night before last at 4.30 in the morning, he opened the book to me and he pointed a simple scripture out. I looked into the brightness of the Bible in my dreams in its simple words. Why ask of me if you don't really love me? And I looked at those simple statements that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then just as Fast as lightning, it flipped over into the writings of Mark. And I looked at the signs that are following the church. And then just as quickly at the commission, Go ye into all the world. There's only one thing that will keep you, and that's the love of God. I don't know how much longer He's going to chase us all over this world trying to get us to do His work. He told His disciples, He told His followers that if you don't worship Me, worship me the stones are going to cry out. He's going to have a vessel, Brother Spears. I don't know about you, church, but I don't intend for nobody to have to take my place. Huh? And may I say to Eastgate tonight, our church, our God, 
our treasure. We're going to live for Him. And we're going to show this city what Christ is really like. And it went on and on. In fact, I was so moved, I got out of bed, I could not sleep the rest of the night. I stayed up. By this shall men know you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, not one solitary speck of disagreement can be in the church. It's got to be solid accord. If you have a difference, you settle it. And you go on. Not one tongue can rattle against anybody. The cause is the world. And we're going to propagate gospel. And we're going to shine out to Jesus. Reach over and take that brother's hand or that sister's hand. Come on, without really looking to see who it is. I offer this styrofoam cup back to Jesus. It's not even worth a half a cent, Lord. But would you fill this cup afresh with another baptism of your Spirit? Would you let this nobody be used of you? Lord, let love baptize me. When I walk the streets of Vider, let people see the love of God coming out of my character and person. May they feel our spirits of unity. Oh, what a treasure we have in these earthen vessels. Why do we pray we want to pray? Why do we sing we want to sing? Why do we go to the church early and late and at all hours to lay before Him and worship and love because we're taking care of our treasures? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Kailora bo sandalo kashatalora bienda la hasarabo hushai.